When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to Mornings. It's the Captain's Run for State Transport. Our people are your solutions. If you're just joining us for the first time, welcome. Overcast Melbourne day, but uh, looking at a top of 26 this afternoon. It's going to be hot early in the Australian Open. It happens every year. Put on the tennis. Here comes the heat. One man will be very excited about everything that's going to be happening at Melbourne Park in the next couple of weeks is Wally Masur, who joins us this morning. Morning, Wally. Happy New Year. And you too, Jules. How's things? Very well. Uh, Interested, I just saw your thoughts on uh, Rafa Nadal's first-round opponent, Jack Draper. Uh, you think that's pretty dangerous for Rafa? Well, I, I guess uh, Jack Draper has a point of difference. He's, he's a very aggressive player. You know, he, doesn't, he won't have too many extended rallies from the back of the court. Um, and I, I'd probably say it in the context that Rafa had a pretty lean back end of 2022. He, I think he won one match after the US Open, obviously had that stomach injury where he had to pull out against Nick at Wimbledon. So, yeah, just not the tennis or, or the tournament matches that <coughs> excuse me, that he would be used to. Um, and then he came to Australia, and he, he didn't play badly, but once again, you know, he lost to Norrie and Diminari, both in, in three tight sets. So I just think Rafa's probably not quite where he wants to be. And it was pretty apparent to watching Rafa in Sydney that he's trying to play a bit more up-tempo, play a bit more aggressively, shorten the points. He was serve-bowling a little bit, you know, trying to flatten the ball out. So he, he's probably come to a conclusion at 36 years of age, um, you know, absolutely grinding from deep in the court and just wearing his opponents down might not be the way forward to another slam. But, yeah, just looking at it in that context, and then Jack Draper's in the semis of Adelaide as we speak, which can play into his hands given he'll be in form, or, you know, you get to the final of Adelaide and you're going to fly to Melbourne and play the next day. That doesn't always work either, but... Yeah, look, I just think it's an interesting matchup because Draper has a point of difference and Rafa is just a little bit of an unknown quantity. But, hey, Rafa's Rafa, and over five sets, he's proven to be pretty brutal to beat. And he was uh, this time 12 months ago. Are you one that really sits down and has a good look at the Oz Open draw? Or are you one that sort of thinks, well, if you're going to go deep in a Grand Slam, you got to you got to beat good players no matter what stage of the tournament you play them in? Yeah, no, look, I, yeah, the draw is interesting um, because I think sometimes when you look at a player's chances of winning the tournament, it's it's not maybe an individual that beats them. It's, it's a series of matches, you know, it's like a, a, a collective effort by a group of players. You know, the last thing you want to do is maybe play two or three Spaniards in a row because they're just going to keep you out there and wear you down. So you sort of have a look at the draw to see, you know, somebody like Nick, you know, if if he's playing someone that's coming at him and, you know, the points are short, no problem, you know, because if he's going to have to play Medvedev, potentially, potentially. Um, so excuse me, if I look at Nick, for example, um, you know, and he's, he's in that Novak section. If you've got to play someone like Novak, you don't want too much tennis under your belt before you get there. So you kind of look at the draw in that context to see that, um, you know, how tough the matches are leading into to a big match, potentially. Nick, certainly, he's, it appears like his language has changed the last 12 months with the, the confidence he's got. You know, speaking yesterday about, you know, normally he's a bit of a dark horse to win a tournament, but he, he now sees himself as one of the favourites. He sees himself as one of the, you know, the best players in the world, even though he's, you would have to say his build-up to this tournament has been less than ideal. Have you really noticed that 
that shift in Nick's mindset over the last 12 months? Yeah, I think one thing about Nick, I guess everyone talked about, you know, him, even as a youngster, you know, as a potential Grand Slam winner. And he's kind of spoken about what that expectation has done to him over the years and sometimes the pressure and all the eyes being upon him. He hasn't enjoyed that. I think COVID was interesting. I think it gave him a bit of time away from the game and he sort of settled on a schedule that suits him better rather than, you know, tennis is just like a circus. You just week in, week out on the road. And I think he kind of figured out that wasn't for him. And his schedule in 2022 made a lot of sense. He gave himself some time off in the clay and then he had a great run leading into Wimbledon and through the US Open. So I think he kind of figured out, you know, the rhythm of, of how he wants to play. Look, he... I don't know. I mean, I probably would like to see him play a match or two before the Australian Open, but he's certainly a guy that can play well on this surface, um, you know, without a lot of matches under his belt. But he is one of the best players in the world. I mean, he's proven that to us now, um, you know, over the course of the last couple of years. And he's just kind of settled into it, I guess, settled into the the reality that, that that's who he is. And, you know, a lot of people are expecting him to do well. I guess the two other Australians that we've got high hopes for at this tournament would be Alex Dimonor and Isla Tomjanovic. It looks like a tough draw for Isla, potentially Victoria Azarenka in the second round. We've seen knocking on the door Alex Dimonor without, you know, going deep into a major. Is he could this be the year, whether it's here or at one of the other Grand Slams, that we see a bit more progression from Alex? Yeah, I've always, you know, you always look at Alex and you kind of think he's got the mindset and uh, the endurance and the persistence to do well in a slam. And by doing well, I mean pushing deep into the second week. Um, He's he's been on the cusp a few times, played really well in Australia, and then just prior to the Australian Open, twice he tore a stomach muscle, kind of cruel these chances when you thought the stars were aligning and it was was his time. Um, Look, I think he can. The only problem is he's in um, he's in Novak position. Um, and that is a bit of a problem. But the good news is I've actually got Demon penned in as I'm looking at my little sheet in front of me. I've got him penned in for the fourth round against Novak. I, I just can't see. Karina Busta is the <coughs> excuse me, the Spanish player in his section that could deny him that opportunity. But he's not quite where he needs to be with an elbow injury. So I kind of like Demon's chances to get to the fourth round. But Novak, who I, you know, is my, my tournament favourite and certainly the man to beat, uh, he looms large in that fourth round encounter. Any concerns? We're chatting to Wally Masur about the Australian Open. All gets underway on Monday, of course. Any slight concern with Novak's little hammy niggle? Yeah, I guess. Well, he's, he's ultra-professional, isn't he? And I, I can't imagine he'll get it wrong. But as you know, you know these, these little soft tissue injuries, you kind of think you're right, you're good to go, and then put yourself under a bit of stress. And um, you know there it is again, it resurfaces. So we, we hope, fingers crossed, that everything he's doing is just precautionary and he will be right because we missed him last year, obviously. He's been well-received, played well in Adelaide and, you know, great addition to the event. So we, we certainly don't want to lose him. We lost Alcaraz, unfortunately. Mm. Um, you know, you just want the best players here. Do you think he'll be well-received at Melbourne Park, Novak? I do. Yeah, I do. I do. I think, yeah, I mean, if Adelaide was any indication of how the Australian fans are going to uh, greet him, I mean, it's of people watched up to watch you know to watch his first practice and i think that will be the case um i think you know we're one year down the track um covid's provided everybody with a lot of um you know sort of ambiguity over over time in, in various scenarios and yeah i think we'll just move on there's a couple of very decent names that aren't seated on the men's side uh, this year for, for, for different reasons andy murray He's not seeded. He's playing Matteo Berrettini in the opening round. And Dominic Team's on the comeback trail, so he's not seeded either. Playing Andre Rublev, the number five seed. They're two very good matches for a first round. 
It's unbelievable, isn't it? And it gives a good chance to see where Rublev and uh, Berrettini are at because there's no question those two will pose questions. I mean, I've got to take my hat off to Andy Murray. I mean, he's playing with a metal hip. Metal hip. I mean, it's extraordinary yeah. what he's done. Um, you know, he certainly loves the game. He'll provide a good contest for Berrettini. You would kind of think Berrettini will will overcome that match. And that's kind of interesting too because Thanasi Kokonakis, who's doing really well in Adelaide as we speak, um, he plays the winner of that match. And, you know, the way Thanasi's going, he might be hoping that Andy can take a little bit out of Berrettini and you know, maybe set up an opportunity for Thanasi to you know, to take advantage. Not the easiest first round for Thanasi either, though, is it? Fabio Fanini is a, is a tough player. Good player and uh, a real, what's the word, um, just kind of turns matches into these show, you know, these I don't know, exhibitions, he drags the crowd in, the umpire gets involved. Uh, Fabio's just got a knack of um, turning everything into a bit of a circus, but he's a quality player, there's no doubt about that. But I think a quality player at the tail end of his career and the way the Nazis playing, um, you would think if he arrives fresh from Adelaide, um, I think he's he'll get that one, he'll get the win there. So who do you like? Obviously, you like Novak Djokovic on the men's side. How could you not with his record here at Melbourne Park, his record in Australia, and he's coming into the tournament in great form as well? Is there someone else on that men's side that you think might make a run? Or who who do you think is his his biggest challenger at the tournament this year? I guess, look, I'll I'll probably... The, you talk about the weather. I think the weather plays a big part in it here at Melbourne Park. You know, 38 degrees, that that can determine the outcome of a match. You know, it's, it's... it's a factor. And also, too, the conditions. I mean, that makes things really hot and lively. If it's hot and lively and you're playing in the middle of the day, someone like Sitsipas has played really well since he's gotten to Australia, um, had some big wins in the United Cup, you know, played with a lot of pride representing Greece and, and got home, you know, three or four occasions against big players, Koric, Berrettini, Dimitrov. Um, you know, if the conditions are right, keep your eye on Sitsipas. Then, you know, if it's at night, it's a little cloudy, it's a little heavy, you know, uh, someone like Medvedev just comes right into the four for me. He's just so hard to beat over five sets. He's so determined. And, yeah, you might play a big game and take it to him for one set, for two sets. But, you know, to, to grind him down over five, um, you know, when the conditions aren't maybe as lively as you'd like them, that, that's going to be tough. And, you know, play, that, that also brings players like a Cam Norrie or a Casper Ruud into it, you know, to overcome those type of players when everything gets a bit cooler, well, you know, that's a harder ask. And, you know, that probably is the, the scenario for Nick too. You know, if it's hot and lively and he's serving well and the points are a bit shorter, um, look out, you know, Kiros can make a real run as well. On the women's side, uh, no Ash Barty, of course, and uh, we had the news during the week that uh, Naomi Osaka is going to become a mum as well. Uh, we've got a, a pretty dominant world number one at the moment in Igas Fiontech. Can, can anyone beat her? Yeah, I think... I. I was, yeah, I guess Pagula can. I mean, she did mm. last week. Um, but you know the funny thing with Swantec, I covered the US Open and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, yeah, I don't know. She just, she wasn't actually playing unbelievably well. You know, on the clay, she, she's the best player by, by a good good stretch. But, you know, when you get her on the faster hard courts, you know, players can get into her forehand hard and fast and, you know, she can have a bit of trouble on that wing. But she's so quick and she's, yeah, she just fights and, you know, she's really strong in the head and she found a way. But I do think she's a bit vulnerable. I think a player like Pagula or Garcia, players that really take the ball early and, you know, can really flatten it out and play more traditional sort of hardcourt game with less spin. Yeah, look out for them. Um, and I think Sabalenka is certainly someone that she made a comment. You know, she has the service yips from time yeah. to time, but she made, a, she made a comment last week. Well, you know, if I get the service yips, hey, it is what it is. I've got plenty of games to, you know, plan B. So I think, you know, it's good that 
for a player to recognise that and say, right, well, it is what it is, I'll move on. So I, I would keep an eye on Sabalenka too, but I, I certainly do like Pagula and Garcia. My only proviso is they were travelling. You know, Garcia was on like a 12-match winning streak mm. at the US Open and then just fell apart in a match. Not like started badly and, you know, then they got a bit nervous at the end. No, she just couldn't find it. And Pagula had a similar scenario at the US Open. So, you know, that finding that right emotional state at the big end of the tournament, that's what Siontech did really well. And that's probably what a few others have to do. They've got the game to do it. They've just got to settle in and, and uh, you know, have the belief to do it. Before I let you go, are you fit for the Australian Open? A few coughs uh, during this interview. Are you okay? Well, Jules, thanks for asking. <laughs> uh, you know, you're, you're very focused on the 128 players in the draw, but you know, I actually got COVID on January 1. Ah, first time? Mm. First time, yeah, I was, and I got it. I got it at the tennis at the United Cup. So I had to lay low for uh, you know, ten or twelve days, and um, as we speak, Jules, I tested negative, and Good. I am down here in Melbourne. But um, yeah, like most people, it got me and uh, knocked you around a bit. It knocked you around a bit, did it? Yeah, yep, yep. It wasn't, um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely flu-like. Yeah, not not fun. No. Well, good to see you're on the comeback trail. Uh, we can't wait for the Australian Open to get underway, Wally. Thanks so much for your time, as always. Yeah, good on Jules. And look, thanks for asking. I mean, I am approaching 60. So yeah, but you're fit as a fiddle, Wall. You're fit as a yeah. fiddle. Well, you know, underlying conditions, who knows, Jules? But I'm still, <laughs> I'm still upright. I'm still going. <laughs> and you'll be going for quite some time. Uh, Wally Basur, he's a superstar. We love having him uh, on the show. And uh, he's feeling good. And he's fit as a fiddle. He'll be fine.